I'm Marissa Papa. Welcome back to Chats in the Living Room. Today I'm joined with uh, Dominic Smith, Danielle Sanicola, Ben Severs, AJ Priscia. All right, and uh, today we have a very interesting story about the disappearance of the Sodder children, kind of jumping off of the whole um, drowning children in the last episode. What defines a solder? Uh, that like a soldering iron? No, solder's just like the name of the family. It's nothing special. I'm sad. I feel bad for all the kids because we've had like a few now with uh, <laughs> children victims. Yeah. Well, well, at, at least three. What's the all third? Right. There was Danielle's one about the murdered little girl, the oh, lake, yeah. lake child. One. And now disappearing soldering irons. The solder children. So sorry, everyone who's younger. And this is especially sad because it happened on Christmas Eve in 1945. That is a that's pretty grim. That's like the worst time to disappear. Anyway, so the story goes: around 1 a.m., the solder family house went up in flames. The parents, George and Jenny, were able to escape with four of their children. Meanwhile, five of their children were still in the house. They Maurice, children? Yeah, they got... Jesus. I mean, it was 1945. What else are you going to do? I guess that's a good point. Um, so five of their children were still in the house. Maurice, um, Martha, Louis, Jenny, and Betty, who unfortunately was like at the time so that's really sad um so when the house was on fire george tried to break into the house to save the rest of his kids but unfortunately the staircase was on fire um and then he went outside to find his ladder to try and like get into the window um like where the kids were sleeping but his ladder was missing and then he also tried to like pull over like pull his coal trucks to the like next to the house to climb on top of them to get in but the engines weren't starting for some reason uh one of the children who escaped the fire managed to run to a neighbor's house to call the fire department however the operator wouldn't respond and then a different neighbor tried to call and the operator still wouldn't respond which was very strange for the time um that same neighbor eventually drove into town to try and find the fire chief and she told him about the fire. However, it took them seven hours to get to the house, but the fire station was only like 2.5 miles away. Wait, it took seven hours, you said? Yeah. What? What'd they do in all those hours? Uh I don't know. I couldn't find out what... They're driving a car two and a half miles for seven hours. Exactly. When it would take less than an hour to walk that, even. They probably just, like, didn't hit the gas. They just, like, turned on the car and put it in neutral and rolled away. You know what they did? They turned on the car within, like, inside their garage and just, just killed them. They had they to probably, that for a few probably hours. literally rolled it, like, physically. It could have been one of those kids' cars. 
You know, like the one with like the Mercedes one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, like those tiny little electric ones. Yeah. Had, like I know what you're talking about. Those those were the whips when you were a kid, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that better, but the sad part is is by the time they got to the house, the house was literally like flat. Just mostly ash with very little remains left. Um, so once the house was ex excavated, there were no remains found of the missing children, but the, and the children were like presumed to be dead. The fire chief believed that the children were cremated in the fire. However, in cremations, the bones would be left behind, but there were no bones left behind in the house. Like they dug through the entire ash, and there were no bones. Uh, and then. The cause of fire was determined to be electrical issues, and that was a member of the Corps' jury like determining that, which is an important fact that I'll get back to later. Um, so after the fire, George and Jenny believed that their children did die, but in fact were kidnapped. Uh, the fire, they assumed that the fire was intentional and like not just faulty wiring and was just there to like distract people and like first want to be able to go in and take the children as a distraction, you know. Actually, as a matter of fact, George had his like electrical system inspected in the fall by a power company, which deemed wiring to be in safe working condition. So the whole faulty wiring thing was very sus to them. They were like, I don't think so. Um, so they try to look more into this. Also what happened in the fall was a very interesting occurrence between George and a life salesman insurance. Um, so the salesman came to their house and once he realized that his sell wasn't successful, he got furious, yelling, quote, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're gonna pay for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini, end quote. So, so he was a Mussolini lover? Yeah, so like they lived in a um, Italian neighborhood and a lot of the Italians there supported Mussolini, but George Sauter was like, Mussolini is horrible when there was like, mm. no. Um, and so this was pretty sus because he literally set out word for word like everything that happened, like your house is going in smoke, your children are going to be destroyed like this is very suspicious another thing that happened was on the night of the fire uh the phone rang in the solder house and jenny she got out of her bed to answer it uh and she noticed that the lights were still on um and as she tried to fall back asleep she heard a loud bang on the roof followed by a sound of something rolling and then an hour later the house was on fire this is really important because if the fire was truly caused by faulty wiring, then the lights wouldn't have been on and working, and the phone wouldn't have been able to ring. So it kind of just throws out faulty wiring altogether. Um, also, a neighbor that night saw someone using this like crane thing for removing car motors, which possibly could explain why the coal trucks weren't working that night. Another weird thing that happened was a few weeks after the fire, the family went back to the house, which they turned into like 
a memorial for their lost children. And while their youngest daughter child found an object uh, next to where the house used to be. And then upon closer inspection, it was determined to be a napalm bombshell thing, which is probably the cause of the fire. Also, like, record sightings of the lost children. One actually happened on that night. So a woman claimed to see the children in a car that drove by while the fire was happening. Um, the very next day of the fire, a woman who worked at this tourist stop said, quote, I served them breakfast. There was a car with a Florida license plate uh, at the tourist court too, end quote. So once again, very sus. Uh, a few days later, hotel in Charleston, a woman reported seeing four of the five children about a week after the fire, uh, saying, quote, the children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of Italian extraction. I do not remember the exact date. I tried to talk to the children in a friend friendly manner, but the men appeared hostile and refused to allow me to speak to their children. A few years later, George saw a picture of an uh, New York school children, and one of them looked a lot like his missing daughter, Betty. So he drove all the way to New York to investigate, but the girl's parents, like, they declined to speak with him, which... How old were the kids when they went missing? Um, I don't remember their exact ages, but I know that the oldest was 14 and the youngest was 5. Huh. They were all in, like, that range. Interesting. Um, so then two years after the fire, the Sodders tried to get the FBI to look into this. Uh, and the FBI, they offered to help, but the police and fire department declined their help for some reason. Uh, George and Jenny also turned to a private investigator, C.C. Tinsley. Tinsley actually discovered that the member of the Corps' journey that said that the fire was an accident was the exact same life uh, life insurance salesman who threatened George in the fall. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also found out that the fire chief supposedly found a bo- found a heart at the Sauter home uh, that he left in a dynamite box and he buried it where the house used to be. Wait, like a human heart? Yeah, like a full heart. But he, like, didn't report it or anything. He just found it and straight up put it in a box. Pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Tinsley persuaded him to, like, dig it up. And once it was, like, once they opened the box, it was actually deep liver and not a heart and was never in a fire. And then the um, fire chief came out and said, like, he's like, yeah, I try to give this family closure by taking evidence or something. Um, Anyway, George and Jenny also put an ad up on Route 16 for their missing children where it remained for 40 years. The ad, like, had information specific to their, like, missing children talking about how the police and the fire department, like, weren't helping, about how it seems like the fire was just a cover-up to kidnap, like, to get the children, to kidnap the children. Um, 
And it turned up a few uh, tips, but they looked into every single one of them, and nothing was found. Like they still have, like they still haven't found their children. And then eventually, another like important tip came in in 1968 when the family received a letter specifically sent to Jen uh, to Jenny. So there was no return address, um, but the letter had a picture of a man in it in his mid 20s possibly Lewis, who was nine when he disappeared. Uh, the man had the same brown brown eyes, dark curly hair, strong nose, and upward tilting eyebrow, which made them conclude that it was uh, Lewis. And then on the back of the picture, it read in like normal handwriting, quote, Lewis Sauter, love brother Frankie, little boys, a nine zero one three two or thirty five. They hired another private investigator to go to Kentucky to find him, like to find where the picture came from. But the detective was never heard from again. So he like sadly, was he? we don't know. I actually did some research. No one online has figured out what happened to him. Everyone's like, oh, he's gone, and like that's it. Which is creepy. So unfortunately, the Sauter family is still investigating to this day and they haven't found their children. Well, damn. Man, children have been having like a rough run on the show, man. Yeah. Man, what can I do? Yeah. It's like... Jim can't not get killed. What are we going to do? That guy took like a, what did, you see that's like a human heart and he just buried it? Yeah, but it turned out to just be like beef. Yeah, so it wasn't like, he did it to like try and give the family some sort of closure, but in kind of a messed up way. So yeah, so basically uh, we've covered children getting like murdered by pedophiles, sucked into a lake monster, and um, now kidnapped by Italian fascists. Um, it's good that we have our bases covered, though. Yeah, like the theory uh, generally is that the mafia, like people in the mafia, came in and just took the children. Um, but it's like unsolved, you know. Well, I have I have a slight, uh, like completely unrelated question. Uh, how naked are you, AJ? Uh, I have no shirt on. Okay. Fine. Do you think I'm completely naked? I mean, I was thinking about it. Hopefully, I'm thinking about it in a good way. Well, you know, we're just, you gotta ask the questions. Well, are we done? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a wrap. All right. Um, well, I guess we'll just close it out. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye.